National Margarita Day. That's worth saying. Go, 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 Jesse Merrick joins us. I know he knows a thing or two about margaritas. Jesse, what's going on, my man? What's up, CC? I love it, man. The energy's great. Margaritas, you, you can't beat them, that's for sure, too. All right, so you're a margarita guy. Give me your go-to margarita. Do you go specialty? Do you just go you know, traditional? Let's hear it. Yeah, I just keep it classic. The only thing I may add a twist in there in is maybe we we'll do it with uh, some mezcal because I like the smokiness of that. But other than Ooh. that, I'm keeping it traditional. Maybe do a little bit of jalapeno in there. Ooh. But, Pray too wild with my margaritas. Look at that. I don't think I've, I've heard about that dude, with the with a the jalapeno. There it is. I mean, I guess I can just take the jalapenos off my jalapeno pepper jack burger that I get at Freddy's and throw that into the margarita. Is that what you're suggesting there, Jesse? Uh, you could do that, but they have like jalapeno infused uh, <laughs> uh, tequila or, or mezcal and things like that that add a little bit of a spice in there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Unless you want to, you know, sip up some of those uh, jalapeno seeds, that might be dangerous. <laughs> that could be dangerous. You're right, man. Are you a sugar or a salt guy on the rim? Uh, salt over sugar, for sure. I'm not a big, like, anything on the rim guy, to be completely honest. But if I'm doing one or the other, it's, it's the salt, for sure. Okay. There it is. That, that is our on-the-spot reporter on National Margarita Day, Jesse Merrick, News 3. <laughs> you got to love that. I, I think you should uh, incorporate a special tonight. That's what I think you should be doing. Yeah, hey, I mean, why not? Mix it up a little bit, add a little more spice to the show. I think it would play well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of spice to the show, I don't know. Who's got more spice, you or B-Sal? That's what I need to know. Oh, come on. I mean, if you're talking to me, it's definitely me. But if you're talking to Brian, it's him all day. So <laughs> we're both a bit biased here. Oh, <laughs> uh, So speaking of him, now he's going to be joining us on Friday. As, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be, like, really nervous on Friday. Because you know yeah. what's happening Saturday, right? Our man is getting into the ring in, uh, you know, the, the, the boxing event, right? Or we're kind of looking forward to that. But here's what's really piqued my curiosity. When I've seen him, uh, sitting next to him, like at the UNLV games, he started busting out, you know, this video footage because he always has to have, you know, the camera of him sparring or him, you know, going to the heavy bag yeah. and all this stuff, right? He wants to show me the footwork. And then. One day he shows me, hey, there's Jesse in the ring with me. I'm going, what? What is this? So talk about this now. Yeah, pretty pretty unique, right? Not that often you get to punch your boss in the face and uh, <laughs> vice versa, him punching me back too. But, uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool. We both started our boxing journey about the same time. Uh, we trained with Wayne, Wayne McCullough, the pocket rocket, former yep. world champ. Um you know, and he's gotten us right. He took us both from really having no experience aside from just, you know, covering the sport, being fans of the sport. Um, so maybe, you know, doing some mitts or the bag here and there, but, you know, he, he's kind of, uh, taught us, you know, uh, anything and everything there is to know about boxing and, and taking us from guys that when we hopped in the ring to spar for the first time, you know, looked like we were playing patty cake and didn't want to throw a punch, uh, to now where we can go in there and, you know, we spar with one of his pros and granted the pro is going, you know, much lighter. Cause obviously he could piece us up, but still in there, you know, and he's, he's throwing some pretty hard shots, getting used to, you know, sitting there taking punches and how to block him and defend and throw some counter punches and stuff. And so uh, it's been a lot of fun to see that kind of move along. And specifically with Brian, like you said, hopping in the ring for his, his first amateur fight uh, at nearly 50 years old. I mean, it's awesome. I'm fired up for him. I can't wait for it. As the guy who's been in the ring with Brian and has been hit by him, I'm worried for the man that he's fighting against. <laughs> but Brian's going to be humble leading up into it. But I'll tell you what, I, I'll, I would put all my money in the world on Brian winning this fight. Not knowing a thing about the guy he's fighting, right. but I just know 
ready, and I'm excited for him. Uh, you know, and he's uh, he's got an interesting style. He pulls a lot of stuff from Floyd, some of the defensive work, a lot of jabs to the body, and things like that. I, I've kind of looked more uh, at Tyson and the peekaboo boxing style, incorporated that into mine. So it, it's kind of cool, both of us kind of tinkering and adding different layers uh, to our game. It's been fun. Now, are you thinking about you know uh, moving in that direction, uh, possibly even if it was a charity thing or an amateur thing? Are you are you thinking about you know getting in the ring and and actually going against an opponent like that? Yeah, I've I've been on the fence about it. Uh, you know, so Brian's taking part in what's called the Masters, and you have to be, uh, thir- I believe, thirty five years old to be able to do it. I'm not quite there yet. I'm thirty two. Um, so I've thought about, hey, possibly doing the Masters, but there are other opportunities to do it. You know, uh, under the age of thirty five, some right. other amateur fights. I've thought about it. I also do jujitsu. I'm a little more experienced than that. I've been doing that for about a year and a half. Um, I would be more willing to compete in jujitsu right now just because I'm much more comfortable and I you know, wouldn't be getting punched in the face because <laughs> uh, I like having brain cells. But having said that, I wouldn't put it out of the question to hop in the ring and do some uh, boxing or even, honestly, an MMA amateur fight at some point just to be able to mix the jujitsu in. You know, uh, something that I, if you would have asked me this you know, a year and a half, two years ago, I'd be like, you're crazy. Get out of here. I'm never doing this. Now, like, I 100% am thinking about it. If there was any sort of charity thing, that would probably sway me even more to go do it. Uh, I would love to do some sort of media fight or whatever the heck it is. It, I, I would totally do that in a heartbeat. Well, I'm sure there's some people in the media that you'd love to beat up. I mean, there's no question, yeah, right? There's, no, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, so my son's been doing jujitsu for three years. Four oh, years. Oh, nice. You want to take him on? <laughs> how, how old is your son? 16. <laughs> he's 16. I don't know if I could survive yeah, this, but yeah. beat up by a 16-year-old. <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah, we've, we've got a kid at uh, the gym that I go to. I train at 10th Planet, and this kid is uh, also 16, and I think he's been training since he was like eight years old or something like that, and and he's a savage, and it's so humbling when you go in there and just get destroyed by a teenager when you're you know double their age. It, it's pretty wild, but it, it's cool to see the learning care of these kids. I mean, how quickly they pick these things up, and it's insane. Your son, I'm sure, at 16, I mean, he's probably already a monster, but, man, once he gets older and continues with it, like, he is going to be a straight-up savage. So it's cool to see, but also demoralizing as a 32-year-old grown man that gets destroyed by kids that have been doing it since they were, you know, walking, when they first started walking. Yeah, I feel it. I don't think that a lot of people really realize it. They've never, you know, got into a ring, a boxing ring, or, or took classes that they really fully don't understand the conditioning that you have oh, to yeah. be in to get in. And I want you to speak about that because it's one thing, you know, to you know join a gym and doing some other stuff or playing pickup basketball, that sort of thing. But when you are talking about getting into a ring, mano a mano against somebody else, you know, the, the shape that you have to be in. Uh, yeah. You have to be phenomenal and talk a little bit about that. And I know that you, you you're an athlete, you know, again, you're, you're 32, you're a youngster, man, but talk yeah. a little bit about just, you know, when that kind of hits you, like, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, think about these professional boxers or even amateur boxers who you do this and want to do this for a living that they, uh, the, the condition that they have to be in. Yeah, I mean, as you said, like, I've been an athlete my entire life. I played college football, you know, even after graduating and whatnot in the years that following that, always ran. I I ran a marathon. I would do sprints. I mean, I would mix it up. I do so many different kinds of conditioning and weight training and things like that. And, you know, I thought I was in great shape. And then I started doing jujitsu, and I was like, man, I'm in really great shape. Like, I got the wind, you know, to be able to go for whatever as long as possible. And then I started doing boxing, 
and you, you know, you're hitting the mitts and hitting the bag and you're like, oh man, this is, you know, my, my cardio is fine. And then you hop into the ring to spar and it is a totally different animal. Like anybody that's just hit the bag or hit and done the mitts before, like that's still a great workout, but man, it's different when you're in there and there's someone else coming across you to punch you. Because, uh, you know, it, it really is, you know, they call it the sweet science. Like, you're playing a game of chess in there while also trying to dodge punches, you know. And, and on top of that, just the full body workout that comes along with it and learning how to breathe, the right time to actually breathe when, you know, you're playing defense, trying to block punches and slip punches. That's when you're breathing. And then as you're throwing, you're just kind of exhaling, boom, boom, boom. And then you got to go back into it. And as someone's trying to take your head off, be able to catch your breath, and not get back into a corner and still be able to kind of, you know, look at it from a, uh, you know, a, a scientific you know sense and to be able to dodge this stuff and counter off of it. So it's, it's wild. I never in a million years would have thought that the cardio uh, is what it is in boxing, but it, it's incredible. It's so different than any other sport that I've ever tried. Uh, and like I said, I mean, I can do, you know, six, seven, eight, nine minute rounds in jujitsu, but it's so different when you're in there boxing because there's no time to catch your break. When you're doing jujitsu, you can kind of sit on your back and stall a bit, things like that. In boxing, is if you stall, the guy's going to come at you and start punching you. So you're kind of you start tensing up, your legs start tensing up, and you'll gas yourself out that way. And before you know it, you're on the mat, ready to pass out. You know, so it's it's crazy the cardio that goes into that. And I have, like you, as you noted, so much more respect for the guys that do this professionally, realizing the shape that they're in to be able to do as many rounds as they do. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and as a guy, again, like I said, that has always considered myself to be in great shape, um, you know, it's really humbling because you're like, wow, the, the level of cardio these guys have is insane. Mm-hmm. Jesse Merrick joins us, uh, sports anchor at News 3. Uh, in, you know, Brian Salmon will be in the ring uh, Saturday night. Uh, like you said, uh, the Masters, uh, this competition, he's been training for months upon months. So uh, we wish him the best with this. Uh, Jesse, now, have you worked with him at all or discussed uh, his walkout song? Because I've been trying to talk to him about this, that you know, he, he needs to come up with a strong walkout. Do you, has he narrowed it down at all? Do you know? That, you know, we haven't talked about that much. But knowing Brian, he's a you know he's a Bay Area guy, Vallejo, California. I'm sure he's going to go with something that's got some Bay Area mix to it. Yep. Um, you know, so maybe a little too short or E40 or something like that. I, I don't know, but we haven't talked about it yet. And uh, but I also don't know if he gets like a a, a serious walk out of it because there's so many people there. Yeah. I, from what I kind of in the in the waiting, and there's a bit of a ring walk, but I don't know how long it is. So I'm not sure if they get a you know a walkout song or not. But if they do, he's you know he's going with something that's got some area flair with it. I know. And I tried to tell him. I said, okay, you, here's what you need to do. You need to tell these guys that you're bringing your own ring announcer with you. And I said, that's it. I'm coming with you. You got to tell them right now that you're bringing your own ring announcer, your own walkout music. I mean, there it is. Got to be kind of demanding. There it is. I mean, you guys are yeah, celebrities. Man. Let's go. You only get to fight for your first time once. You might Thank as well you. go big for it, right? That's right. Something you remember. Uh, the location, the International Sports Center, uh, 7770 Dean Martin Drive. Uh, that is happening on Saturday night. We wish our good friend Brian Salmon uh, well uh, with this. And again, you can get tickets. Actually, uh, they'll be sold at the door. You have to bring cash uh, you know, to, uh, to do this. But uh, yeah, should go out and uh, support near the International Sports Center. Jesse, now... If you're making your pro debut, what or, or amateur debut, whatever type of debut, what is your walkout song? Ooh, man! You know, so like as we're talking, I just kept thinking about like how great it would uh, uh, be to come out to "Blow the Whistle" by Too Short. My receiver <laughs> coach called, 
used to play that all the time. That was his favorite thing in the world. Anytime we scored a touchdown, he would do the same little tune in there, blow the whistle like that and everything. And so I, I think just right now off the top of my head, that's what it would have to be for me. Oh, yes. There, there you go. There it is. <laughs> oh. Love it. You got to love it. There it is. A little too short. I mean, you talk about the bay. I mean, come on, man. You got a little bay. Yeah, which is funny. It's kind of blasphemous because I'm from Southern California. I know. And I always hated it when I was a kid. <laughs> I know. All right. Uh, Jesse America joins us. Uh, Jesse, I'm going to change gears here a little bit. And we opened the show with uh, one of the sad um, topics, um, you know, over at UNLV. I'm sure you've been covering it. Uh, and I want your take on on this and any more information that you may have there. But, you know, UNLV mourning the loss of uh, Ryan Keeler. Um, just uh, very, very sad how, that he uh, was found dead uh, Monday afternoon. He was only 20 years old. He was a defensive lineman uh, for the Rebels. Um, the cause of death unknown. Uh, give us, uh, you know, your thoughts about this when you heard the news. And I don't know if you've heard anything else uh, that has developed here, you know, since we've taken the air this afternoon. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, so, so, so sad. My condolences to his family and, and all his loved ones and anybody, you know, impacted by this, all of us here in Las Vegas. I mean, it, it's a horrible situation. Um, I've actually been off the last three days, so I haven't, you know, been diving too much into it, but I did see the news and it's just devastating. Um, you know, when anyone losing their, loses their life, let alone, you know, a young man or woman, whoever it is, just a young athlete, um, you know, so suddenly like that, you know, when they've got the life, their whole life ahead of them, um, you know, who was still chasing, you know, his football career, his dreams with that. And, uh, you know, by anything and everything that I've heard, just a great young man that, you know, embodied everything you would want in a young athlete on your team, you know, continuing to work harder. And I know that uh, he just recently had one. Um, uh, and I don't remember the exact phrasing, but basically like their off season athlete of the, of the week or, or month or whatever it was, of you know, impressing this new coaching staff and showing them what he can do. And that's essentially more often than not this time of year, that's a guy that was like a workout warrior that kind of showed, you know, the leadership in the off season. And those are some hard times, like as a guy who's, you know, been in those shoes, you know, going through off season workouts, like these coaches are trying to break you, uh, mentally and physically. And so clearly he showed them something there and, and, you know, so it's just a massive loss for the, the team, the community, Vegas as a whole, everything. It's just, it's horrible. Um, you know, and, and my thoughts and prayers are with his family, his teammates, you know, as they continue to, you know, kind of push forward and put the pieces together for the, through this time. Cause there's, there's just no words you can say, you know, when, when anyone loses their life, let alone a 20 year old, um, you know, it's, it's just, just sad. Um, you know, and just, you know, thinking about his family, you know, it's, it's kind of one of the things like it's almost like a loss for words trying to, you know, send the condolences to them. It, it's just tough. Yeah, Ryan Keeler was a, a pre-business major at UNLV, had a 3.8 GPA and made the academic All-Mountain West team last year. So, uh, again, just uh, everything that, we, that we've heard, uh, not only a great student athlete, but just a fun-loving guy hard worker and that's demonstrated by the award that you just mentioned that uh he won for a spring uh you know work here uh with Barry Odom and just a real positive outgoing personality as well so uh very very sad we'll continue to follow this and I'm sure Jesse will have uh you know him and Brian both in the next coming days as more news comes out about uh yeah. the actual cause of death but uh, very very sad news on the campus of UNLV 
Uh, speaking of Barry Odom, you know, Jesse, you got a chance uh, to be there as I did and, and meet Coach uh, Odom. We both met him before. He's been on this show. I know you've interviewed him as well, too. But you just kind of spend some, some time with him uh, during as he gets acclimated not only to Las Vegas, but just uh, the campus and UNLV and learning his team and everything. Uh, what are your takeaways, especially after talking with him? And then again, you know, in kind of like the informal setting that we had with him, uh, a week or so ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved the hire from the get-go. Uh, I actually worked in Alabama and covered SEC football as I was covering Alabama and Auburn uh, when Barry was the head coach at Missouri. And uh, I, I remember seeing him every year uh, in the two and a half years I was out there at uh, SEC Media Days <clears throat> and was always very impressed with him. You know, when you cover those events, you're not just covering your own team. You're there listening to all the coaches kind of talk because you know, more often than not, being in the South, there's a lot of local ties of, you know, kids that have gone to other SEC schools from your area. And so um, just talking to him about the different players that played for Mizzou and about the conference as a whole, was always very impressed with him and, and kind of his mindset. And you could just tell he seemed like a likable guy. And that's been proven true for me now here when I've gotten to know him a little bit more better. Obviously, he's still so new. Um, I wouldn't, you know, pretend to know him on a personal level yet. Hopefully, I'll be able to. Um, you know, as the years go on here, but definitely, you know, a good hire. When you think about it, like, look, <clears throat> I say it all the time with you and I'll be like, this is a program that's fighting an uphill battle because you don't have any previous success to lay your hat on. And they just got a guy that has head coaching experience in the SEC and also an assistant coach in the SEC for many, many years, leading a team like the Razorbacks who had a great defense. So, I mean, that is a massive hire. I think so many people want some like flashy name and things like that. But it's like, if you look at this guy's resume, <clears throat> coaches like that don't come to UNLV, you know? So for me, I thought it was a great hire for them. Kudos to Harper for getting the job done, the athletic director, bringing him in, you know, and this being a guy that, you know, any coach that you hear comes in, they all say they think this job is elite, um, you know, but I think this is a guy that can take advantage of it. And I don't think that's wishful thinking or anything like that. I think this is a guy that's going to come in and be a staying force, you know, and, and just a good person too. And I'm not trying to throw shots at any, you know, previous staff or anything like that in saying that, but just the guy who comes in and seems like he's going to do things the right way over there, um, you know, and, and lay a bit of that framework for moving forward that this team and this program can build off of. And clearly he has a very high standard, not just because of where he came from, but in the talks that you and I had with him when we were there, you know, uh, more off the record than anything else, but it's very clear that he has very, very high standards for this program and it's pushing the team and the players to live up to those standards because, you know, he wants to build something great here at UNLV to compete for uh, Mountain West championships year in and year out. And there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to do that. When you really look at what the city has to offer and the facilities that they have at their uh, disposal as well. I agree with you. And I said it then, I'll say it again now. Um, anytime that you can get a quality guy who's a good family guy and seems like a uh, an open and honest tell it like it is guy who has head coaching experience in one of the most elite conferences in college yeah. football. You take that. And that's the thing. You know, we saw, you know, again, not, you know, throwing shade on Marcus Arroyo or that hire or whatever, but it just didn't feel right from the beginning. I mean, here's a guy that's never been a head coach. Uh, you know, you're taking a hot coordinator from a hot program. I mean, here's the thing about Barry Odom. He's recruited Las Vegas before. Uh, he's recruited yeah. the nation before, but for me, you know, getting a guy 
even though he was a defensive coordinator at Arkansas, kind of working his way back up to the head coaching ranks, he was a head coach like you mentioned, and you saw it firsthand, a head coach at Missouri. And let's remember, at that time, even though his his record was 500, okay, when he was at Mizzou in the SEC, I mean, he was still a head coach, and this team was good. I mean, they yeah. actually had some <laughs> offensive talent, and his defenses weren't bad uh, either. So, again – you know, for me, I like the hire and a lot of people went, who, who is this guy? Like you said, they want the high profile name, but you're not going to get that. Okay. You're not going to get that, uh, especially in football, UNLV. And, uh, I, I like it and I like, uh, you know, his demeanor, I like everything, uh, uh, about him. I just, you know, we have to, fans have got to give him a shot. They have to give him a chance, uh, to build this thing because, if you're honest, and you know he's very honest, he knows what he's walking himself into. You know he's not going to say it publicly, but you know this is this is a major uh, you know building project here. And okay, with the transfer portal, maybe you can win a little bit sooner than maybe you could you know many years ago. But it's still going to be an uphill climb. Uh, UNLV still doesn't have a whole bunch of size, uh, not a whole bunch of you know elite speed. But, you know, give this man some time. Be patient. He seems like he wants to be here. And if Rebel fans can do that, I think you will reap the rewards probably better than any of the uh, most recent regimes that we've seen on the football side. Yeah, couldn't agree more with just about anything, everything you said there. You know, and, and I think, too, the big thing is like, you know, again, the tough thing that, that you deal with recruiting to UNLV is, again, there's no past success to, to build off of. Right. <clears throat> You're recruiting with the the hope of of saying, "Hey, this is what we're going to do here," um, you know. And so I talk about it all the time, like with the basketball program too. And obviously, the basketball program does have a history of success that you can fall back on. At least, you know, some kids can remember it, or their parents can at least look back to when UNLV basketball was at the the pinnacle. Well, it, with football, it's like, hey, look, you got to make it cool, quote unquote, to come to UNLV, and you do that by winning, you know. And that's how you're able to keep, you know, some of the top players, you know, locally here and can build off of that and then start drawing people from out of town. Because, you know, the toughest part, I'm sure, when you're trying to recruit from out of town is everyone, you know, the stigma of, like, Vegas. Well, like, isn't it just the strip? Like, no one understands what's going on here until they come here and see it. And so uh, the recruiting part of it, I'm always fascinated when different coaches take this job, you know, where they end up bringing these kids in from, what the recruiting pitches are like, you know, and, and just the, the talent of player that they're able to bring in here. And, and there's definitely, like, this roster's not devoid of talent. There's plenty of talent, and I think we can all agree on that. Um, you know, it's just a matter of now cultivating that talent that you do have and adding to it. Uh, and, you know, we obviously won't know what really this uh, first recruiting class for him looks like until the spring and more so in the fall when they've had some time to really get in and, and dive into building the foundation of this team. But I'm excited for what he has to offer defensively, uh, offensively, the staff that he's brought in with his new offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, a really young guy that's, you know, got a great mind for the game of football. And I think it's going to be exciting to see how they do it and how they kind of scheme things up for Doug Brumfield and the rest of this offense. Because Doug is obviously an electric player. Uh, you know, the biggest thing for him has just been health. And if he's able to stay healthy and they're able to kind of tailor their offense around him, it could be a really interesting thing here. Because uh, let's be honest, the Mountain West, you know, isn't as strong as maybe it used to be in years past. And so there's there's more of an opportunity 
uh, to kind of make a move here. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, come spring ball and then also heading into the season, what they really look like. You know, I know that uh, it made a little bit of a splash when he announced that Bobby Petrino was going to be the offensive coordinator. But Jesse, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. You know, I'm pretty certain that this is kind of a blessing in disguise that you know Petrino did back out of this and and went elsewhere because you knew that he wasn't going to be a guy that was going to hang around and uh and and, and want to be an offensive coordinator probably at UNLV for a while. And uh, I think it's it's kind of a good thing that uh, they did go with somebody else. And you know, we know that Petrino's got a lot of baggage, uh, and that could have taken some of the shine off of Barry Odom, especially what he's trying to do here. So I know a lot of people were kind of excited when they heard about Petrino, but then on the flip side, I'm thinking just the opposite. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that as well because it was like, I mean, obviously none of us expected him to leave as quick as he did, but it was like, okay, you hire him, and it's a countdown till he does leave for a better job. Um, and again, obviously faster than we all uh, expected. But then in bringing in a guy like Brennan Marion, I mean, he look, he helped lead that Longhorn offense to top 25 in scoring offense, you know, and what they were able to do there in the Big 12 was impressive, uh, you know, with, uh, I believe, I believe a freshman quarterback out there too, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, right. so they were able to roll in quickly. And obviously, uh, I'm blanking on the kid's name, the quarterback there, but uh you know, they, they were able to hit the ground running and do some things pretty quickly, you know, against some solid competition. I remember even watching the game against Alabama. I believe the quarterback went down in that game. But uh, they were, you know, competing with them for, for a bit there. And so, you know, this is a guy that, you know, comes from the big stage. Then you come out here into the Mountain West and, uh, you know, no, no moment's going to be too big for him, the offensive coordinator specifically, or just his coaching staff as a whole. Like, like you said, having the experience to kind of draw off of already – uh, is going to be big for them. So just from that aspect alone, I think it's really exciting uh, for what they can build. And also defensively, again, I mean, look at how many times throughout the year, you know, you, you see teams like Air Force rack up like, what was it, like over 250 yards rushing or something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine that is not going to happen to this team. I, I would be willing to bet some money that a Barry Odom-led staff is not going to allow a team to rack up over 250 yards rushing on them. Um, you know, maybe that's naive to think that. But um, I'd be shocked to see that happen. So um, I think, you know, and it's always easy to be, you know, excited when you bring in a new coaching staff because they've yet to take the field and yet to play a game that actually matters. But I do think this is a hire that UNLV fans can be excited about. Um, you know, it's just you obviously have to have realistic expectations for year one. But for year two, I think it will be definitely interesting to see, uh, you know, what this team can do. Because there were some flashes last year. So hopefully he can come in and provide a steadying force and his staff can come in and, and get this team really moving in the right direction. Because I think, you know, football fans out here are hungry for a college team that they can support and really get behind. Yeah, I think the quarterback you're talking about is Quinn Ewers from uh, from there Texas, you. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, final thing here, Jesse. Uh, obviously, NFL right now, uh, the quarterback talk is is featured with uh, Derek Carr. Where is he going to go? No longer a Raider. Could be the Jets. I know that Raider fans are talking about, hey, they want Aaron Rodgers after, you know, feeling that, okay, you know, Tom Brady, you know, retired. They actually thought that that might be a possibility. I don't think, you know, any of those things uh, are, you know, were a possibility or could be a possibility, but a quick take on the Raiders offseason. They got a whole bunch of draft picks coming up here in the draft. Uh, you know, finally, they may be able to make some noise uh, via that. But uh, what do you think the approach is here? Basically, in year number two, for uh, Josh McDaniels and company and Dave Ziegler. Yeah, look, I mean, I totally understand why the Aaron Rodgers chatter has so much steam to it. Because, uh, look, let's be honest, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's probably got at least 
two to possibly three MVP caliber years left in him, and, and that's, that's great. Uh, and I mean no disrespect in saying this, but if you get him, it's a Band-Aid because then every year you're playing this whole, like, oh, is he going to play, is he not type of thing and, and, you know, all that stuff. And, again, if he's playing, he's one of the best out there doing it in the NFL, and that's a game-changer for this team. Um, but I also think in doing that, this team is not an Aaron Rodgers away for being a Super Bowl contender. So I don't think you make that move. I don't think you mortgage your future for doing what it's going to take to be able to get him. Uh, I heard some people talking around here and there about like that it may not take as much as you think to get Aaron Rodgers. And if, if that's what people are thinking, like, that's crazy. Like, you forget who this man is. Like, he's gonna come in. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Packers aren't just going to let him walk out the door for nothing. Uh, so in my mind, if I'm pulling the strings, and I honestly, this is where I'd put my money at it if I was a betting man in terms of what they're going to do. I honestly think they bring Stidham back and, and have him be the starter for now, and they draft the quarterback with their first pick, whether that's moving up or moving back and using more picks, whatever it is, or staying put at seven and drafting guy. I think that's what you do because you look at the teams around the league, they've been able to find their quarterback and build off of that for years to come. And more often than not, it's with one of their first two picks that they do that. And, and that, to me, is, is your best chance for success. And for whatever reason, if it doesn't work out, well, then this staff probably is going to be here for it. Um, you know, but when do you, when are you ever going to be in the top 10 again? You hope never again. So why not take a swing, go and try and hit on the most important position, um, you know, with one of these guys that you believe in and build off of that and, and see what happens. Cause this offense obviously needs some work along the offensive line, but the skill players that this person, whoever the quarterback is would have to work with is elite. And, and so you're not asking too much of the guy. You're just asking him to be kind of a game manager, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you're asking him to just take advantage of the pieces you have and don't need him to be a world beater. So go after a guy, let that kid develop, and let McDaniels be that uh, you know offensive guru, quarterback guru type of guy that he's supposed to be built to be. Yeah, we're on the same page. I have said that before and say it again. I, I think that that is probably the most likely uh, scenario, and that's the smart thing that the Raiders should do. And yeah, Rogers is again. He's he's believe it or not, he's he is on the downside of his career. Not sure that he wants to be here. And again, the Packers hold all the cards. They hold all the cards. Yeah. And I kind of find it hard to believe that Rogers would even want to go to the AFC. I think he, you know, considering what is in the AFC, uh, he mm-hmm. may be better suited for the NFC. So we will uh, we will see what happens. Jesse, I appreciate the time as always, uh, my friend. Are you going to be out there uh, supporting your your homeboy uh, B Sal on Saturday night? I'm hoping to be there. Uh, we've got the first home game for the Vegas Vipers, the XFL team, yeah. but I think he might be fighting earlier on in the day. So if he is, I'm going to be there. As long as I don't have to be anywhere else covering work stuff, I'm going to be there because I would hate to have to miss this one. You got it, brother. All right, he is Jesse Merrick over at News 3. What you got on tap uh, for no- or for tonight and coming up for the weekend? Well, so tonight I'm off, so this, this is my Sunday. So I'm That's enjoying it. the rest of my night. Good. Hit a little jujitsu, and then uh, tomorrow – we're diving into the whole week ahead uh, and getting ready to get everything rolling here as uh, we've got uh, the Flames and the Knights, and then Lady Rebels are also in action. And then uh, busy, busy weekend ahead, that's for sure. We know it, man. All right, Jess, I appreciate you. Fantastic work, man, and can't wait to see you soon. Yes, sir. You too, man. Thanks for having me on. There he is, Jesse Merrick over at News 3.